0: Welcome back, Rabbi Dr. Eliezer Brutt. We are winding down Season 2 on Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Season 2, once again, has been sponsored anonymously. Nishmas, Rav Moshe Chaim, Ben Rav Yitzchak David, and we thank our sponsor. Today, we're going to be discussing, Rav Chaim has been well-known, it's well-documented, the tens of thousands of possibly hundreds of thousands of questions that Rabbi Chaim answered. And there are, people have private letters. It's it's English Shire, something which is unprecedented um, in modern history, the amount of questions that he answered. And Rabbi Chaim himself was asked, like, why did he spend so much time answering questions? Why didn't he spend more time writing his Chiburim? So Rabbi Bratz going to talk about this a little bit. I'm sure he's going to find something new, and as he always does find something that's sourced until ultimately he's going to get to a yisoyed from Rav Reb- Chaim Volaziner that perhaps Rav Chaim Khanievsky was basing some of what he was doing on. So Rabbi Brat, how are you today? I'm looking forward.
1: Baruch Hashem. Okay, so basically the last few episodes we've been discussing the Derecha um, Muna some more aspects of Darachemunah, which is we're focusing on a concept known as Darachem Kanievsky himself coins it a Likot Sefer. Um, so we dis- discussed so, so various different aspects of Likot farm throughout the ages. Vada, there's much more to discuss. We're, we we um, spent two episodes dealing with a little di- different aspects of it. And then the third episode moving away from Likot farm, but then ultimately getting back to Likot farm, we started talking about how Chaim Kenevsky writes all over that he's not a Paisic, it's not a Lachal So we spoke about listing other G'daylim that also went with such a Mahalach and said that they're not writing it as a Lachal they're just writing it down Stam, but in the end ultimately all those different svarim from the Shach, the M'gadim, the Nesivas and others, they ended up becoming, as we know, the key svarim in the world of halacha. So Rechaim Kenevsky, similarly, that's really what ultimately happens. He's screaming that the Derch is not halacha l'mayisa, but today already it's um, considered halacha isa safer. And in that we got into a whole discussion with the marsham, um, about the marsham. Some people were upset about the marsham, but ultimately also the marsham becomes, uh, um, we listed a whole bunch of gadolim, uh, unbelievable safer in the world of halacha. Now, What's negayah for us today, and to to fine tune some of the aspects is as follows. Number one is that i when I'm keep when I'm saying in the past few episodes, that Chaim is calling his sefer a likud sefer. I'm um, not calling. I don't think that it is. Reb Chaim calls it a likud sefer, and then Re-Khani, and I show that Reb his yachas to likud zvarim. But ultimately, and I showed that the Mishnah Buru also called his own Heber a likud sefer. Both of these Svarim are Mali Vigadish filled with Chidushim. Anyone knows, when you open up Rabchaim Kineski's and you look at the Tabir Allah on the side, how he goes through the Sugya bringing down everything and how he's Machadish, so many different things, as he's being malacha things, but he's being mechadish, he's holding in the suya it's unbelievable. Um, and so I'm not coming to call it a likut Sefer. I'm going light how he says such a thing. Now, what's significant is that there were, and that, that relates to, let's say, the, the Marsham. Marsham is a likut, it's a likut of Vladimar but it's more than that, it's also we find his own voice in the Sefer. Meaning to say, there's which is something that I mentioned briefly, is that there are farm that are just Malakit. They just quote, um, sometimes they don't even say what they say, sometimes they'll just say Ayin Shach, sometimes they'll say the Shach says it's Asr, whereas there's others that they engage in the, the material that they're quoting very B'kitsar, such a safer will be the Marsham. Reb Chaim Kanievsky, the Mishnaburah are also similar in that aspect. So there's obviously multiple different meanings to the word Likut. Anyway, so just to bring this out um, further is I quoted that Lamashal, the stipler, who was also into certain likuts farm, amongst them the Marsham, one of the Likot's farms the the stipler was into was the Derechaim of the Nesivas. So the, so, this is a, um, I, I've already mentioned a few times, and Amir Zeshem, I hope very soon to release it, especially now, is that the Nasivas we devoted a whole episode to Nasivis. And one of the aspects we dealt with is Nesivas, is chibre kodere hachai, the stipler said, that it was known, Rabbanim in Europe, before he got a job, he made sure to get a dere What's the point? The point is, a rav, sometimes is in a situation, he cannot open up all the svarim, and he's in a situation during davening, mostly, so he doesn't know what to do. So Der made a safer handbook, a, a rabbi's handbook, so to speak. So we I spoke out then, bringing, that it became, it became beyond popular. It's, not, it's probably even impossible to calculate how many times it was published because it was published in numerous sedurim and immediately it was, but it, the point is, it was, looked. even though the Der ha'im writes in Zagdama, here he does not write what he writes in other chiburim of his that's not Allah Here he is willing to assume that it's Allah Misa, but he just says, I'm not really being mechadish, I'm being Malake from and he lists the gadolim achrayim, such as Magan Avram and El Yerab and others. But the point is, at the end of the day, this is telling you what to do because I'm in, I'm in a bind. I don't have time to learn the sugya. I'm a rabbi. A guy comes ask me a question in the middle of davening. What do I do? I open. Up, I look at my derechaim, found my Siddur. and and Lamai said this is how it became accepted to say for, for just, just one mara Anyone opens up the Mishneh Hagdama, Hakdama. Mishneh says Darheim, He includes it as one of the things that he's adding into his shiur. And you learn through Mishneh you see how many multiple times he's quoting the and So I was found very interesting Is this week I came across on a, on a forum that someone brought up he found this major Maramakam Reb Shloyme son of Rabbi Kiveger a great Pisic, has a tshuva in Yeridea, Simon Memzayin There was, seems there was a, some convers- a question about something in Hilchas Avelis, and the Rav Paskin, based on a Derchaim the Chavas Das and the based on El Yaraba, and he wanted to show that we, it's El Yaraba and the Nesivos. We have two paisik and like this. So R' says, no, ain't letzarv Dasa going Chavas Dasa Beseder. Show the paisik. Don't count him as a paisik. It's not laalocha. He wrote the little to be ma'ira the ma'ira, Then heavy das el yeraba, a dying la yer It's not shot that the Nasiris is telling you that the psak is like the el yeraba. Then he says, You have to be minded to the Sugya. So this sounds like a very, this is a fascinating chuva from Rishlum where he seems to be saying that, no, it's not. You say, all the people, everyone that's using the Derechaim and they're putting in the Siddur, it's not achra, which is which is very It's very hard to understand. And someone over there on this forum tries to um, tries to explain what does Rosh Hashem mean? But the problem is, more than that, what I spoke about in this episode on the Nasivis is the Rebbe Kiva Eger, besides being a close friend and giving an unbelievable up to the Nasivis' work, Derechaim, he also writes hundreds of Ha'aris on, and he's metyaches with it as halacha di Kachibor. So yes, it could be, um, and this is a complex discussion in halacha. But when you have nothing else in front of you, and this is what you have, the the nesivist, and you're a rav, and someone asks you the shaila and you're relying on the nesivist, you're it's good. You're good to go. Anyway, so so the point is here we have again the Likut Sefer, and we have that it's not clear what the kavana of the Nesivas. We we seem to think that it, and as the, as I said, the Mishnah bruer thinks the Stipler and others that it's a psak halacha Sefer to rely on. Whereas Rishlayiger is saying no, it's not. Don't be mitzarafid. It's just being. It's just to make Ma'irir a Rav that the Rav should go check the rab. Maybe the rab says and maybe he doesn't. And as I'm showing, seems to hold not like his son. Anyway, this is a complex discussion and there's a lot more to fine-tune about it but not for now. Now, but the point is that there's a concept of Likot and as I said, Likot there's multiple levels of Likot there are Likot that are mechadish plenty when they're being malakites such as the Derech HaMunah and Mishnabur. Now, but There's a, there's a more general point, which is how is the author, it is a, there's the, there's the intention of the author and then there's the intention of what ends up happening. So here, let's say we have again, Rufstein Mager saying the Nasivas, he didn't really intend it to be, and it ends up getting a life of its own. So now. We, we, what we spoke about already, you start to talk about, has, I'm not a Paisic, but what do you mean? You are a paisik." So now we have, we have a crazy amount of literature to point to. Forget about that he says by the Darek HaMunah that I'm not a paisik. We know that he wrote, it seems for years and years, possibly answering between 80 chuvas a day, and these chuvas had sometimes seven, eight questions, to maybe even 120 questions a day. For years and years. I mean, I don't even know if they know the exact year when it started. I mean, I guess they could pinpoint when it started, but they don't know to when it started becoming crazy amounts of letters. But basically, he's been we're talking about thousands upon thousands of letters. So now. What, what, what is it going on in these letters? So, that, so that's obviously a question. So if people are asking him, which there were plenty of times, they're just asking him a simple question, not a halachadikah question, they're asking him, where's the Gemara? Many times these questions are, where's the Chazal? They saw brought down B'Shem Chazal and Rechaim Knievsky with his crazy B'kia shteltzoo something. Okay, but but we know today because so many, so many Svarim that are published have these letters. And not only that, these letters have, a lot of these letters have been published by themselves, and we'll, we'll discuss more about fine-tuning all the different works that are out there of these letters, but there's plenty of halacha. They ask him different questions straight straight up in halacha. So much so that a bunch of years ago, um, it's already, um, it must be almost 15 years ago, maybe even a little longer, they decide, he, they, it seems he kept a copy of the letters. So they decided, you know, let's make a a volume al P the Seidah Shulchan Aruch and a p P topics of the letters. So they collected the letters, and they started doing it from the beginning of Shulchan Aruch Aruchayim. They skipped, let's say, Mzuzah, they put out this massive work, and the point was, they have a team of people going through it, to writing Urim on it, someone's funding this project, it's done by the family of Reb Knievsky, and he authorized in the beginning, and he was involved with many different aspects of it, and we'll discuss what it is that he's involved with, but the point is, these are questions straight up revolving Shulchan Aruch Aruchayim, and we know that the questions go everywhere. They're on Dalach Elke Shulchan Aruch. So, so again, he's answering someone. What's, what does that mean? Is he answering you with halachalamaisa? He's just telling you, oh, you want to know Yadiyah? You're asking me Mishnah Burah? This is Yadiyah, di- di- Doesn't mean Lema'isa. Now, Lamaisa, as I said, it's, it's, it, we will find two different aspects of it. But, there are so many volumes of le- literature that, re- that, re- that this relates to. Now, some of the letters that have been published in recent years are just letters and learning. And some of these letter- some of these volumes are incredible. There's two volumes of letters between him and Dave Landau, which we'll discuss more in soon enough. Rabbi Victor Nevensal, there's a whole volume of letters, mind-boggling what's going on in these letters. Interesting, at one point they published in his lifetime... A volume called Igrey Sukhsavim, which they collected tons of materials that he wrote to, to, let's say, sometimes he gave episodes to certain Svarim, a lot of letters that they got, and it it looks like a regular sefer, It's not like some people were used to. What's Rukhayn Knievsky's thing? You'll say, Kane Loy, Ulai. If you Bnei Brak, come in, there's some these like these like one-word answers. In this volume, which is it's it's, it's called Igrisuk Savan Darchamuna, there's real letters. Some of them could be more than a page about specific things. They collected them from all different places. They have letters with him and the Yashiv, dozens of letters, real letters. So there are all types of letters, as, as I'm saying, and we will discuss more the different types of letters. Now one of the things that's cute about these letters is, recently, I, I've mentioned many times, is that there's auctions, farm auctions that take place weekly, daily sometimes. And so, they're, so for, already for years, different letters of Reb Chaim Kanievsky go on auction. They don't go for so much money. Obviously, you hope to have a letter that has good content that maybe then it will be exciting.
0: We mentioned auctions. There was some news item recently, Reb Chaim's Becher, Hrshtender, was auctioned off for two million dollars. Do you have any recollection? Any yeah, no, that this? was
1: yeah, no. So they the the in the auctions, they also auction off articles of clothes and stenders, and this this took place even right in the middle of the They sold his stender for something like a million dollars, a private auction. There's different there's different auctions, some of them we don't even know about. We just find out afterwards, and they're exorbitant in sums of money. Sometimes and the, the articles of clothes also of his and stuff like that. I'm not getting into that. That's it's, it Actually, there's a whole conversation behind what, why they do it, because in the Hasidish world, they very much do it. But they did it for Rabbi Yashiv. The, the go-kart that used to take Rabbi Yashiv from his house to his to his, uh, sh- his shul, they auctioned it off and went on auction. And it's known they auctioned off and they sold the glasses of the Chazanish. So this is a common thing in the Litvish world also. Litvaks can no longer make fun of Hasidim. That the Hasidim also, that do it, only did it. Litvaks also do it. Okay, obviously the question is, who's buying it? It could be it's Hasidim that are buying of these Litvaks, and maybe that's a different discussion also. Anyway, but the point is, these letters of Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, so they've auctioned off the Marshall, the Shoyna Halachis. The Xavier of Rabbi Chaim has already been sold on auction. Rabbi Chaim Kanievsky's Yusha Hagoy's and Gantz Yushalmi has been sold. I believe, um, Um, Rabbi Friedman, Friedman, the famous Hershey Hershey Friedman, bought it and has it. I think I saw a picture in a Mishpacha magazine article about him with it on display in his library. Now, what's fascinating is it's scanned available for the public at Hebrew University, nonetheless, library. You could look at it online, all that guys are kind of asking against So it's not, sometimes, and I've said this in the past, I think, and I'm always very upset. Sometimes you find these auctions, unbelievable discoveries, and then someone buys it and he keeps it in his house. He doesn't want anyone to know about it. Here, no, I must say the Yushalmi, that guys are accessible to people. It's now letters also, they've been going up on auction even when he was alive. So randomly, I from time to time, I check auctions for for multiple reasons, not important for right now, why, but Chaim Kanyevsky, some letters I come across just to mention the types of letters that he gets Someone asked Ra and this is going on auction, I believe in a few days. Um, is it true that the stipler said you cannot learn Mishnayis with Perish Kahati, and the guy writes he heard two reasons: one is because of Amelus Matira, and two. This is a fascinating question. Says Ruchai Kanyevsky Loy Shamati Dasa Stipler Aval Posh English Tamashboy. Then he says, I in my coton yudzain of What's it referring to? So it's referring to over there the Gummar says Marav Doy Milomal Hashem Tsvaka is Yom Turb Piuvim Lav Al Yil Okay, very interesting. The, it will be interesting is if that was the only letter we have. But they also auction off, and they don't make the connection. Another letter, and this letter is as follows: Could someone learn the svarim of Shol Lieberman, to Sefta Could someone buy svarim from the base medrash from JTS base medrash rabbanim? They put out many different svarim. So he says there's no iser to learn the svarim of Sefta he says, no, it's not, it's, um, it seems that he holds it's not a problem um, to buy Svarim from, from them. So actually, I think in this one, he says he's not sure. But to Teisev the Kapshuta, he says, you could use it. What's fascinating is, is in the Archis Rabenu, the stifler was asked, could you use, you have to understand, Ruchan Knievsky and Roshol Liebman, they're all family. And if you remember the first episode, I rather said how Shol Liebman wrote Godless about Rebchaim Kalievsky, so maybe that's why Rebchaim is nice about it. But anyway, the point is, Chas Vashon, but the point is that Archis Rabbeinu, he was asked, Stipo was asked, could you look at the Yushalmi Kepshutai, which you have to understand, the significance of Yushalmi Kepshutai is, way before Sholiman had anything to do with the conservatives, this is when he's learning in Mysore, he's, he's learning Yushalayim, head of a Mechon Any no problems. Stipo says, no, you shouldn't look at it. So here we have a letter written from Rav and It's dated. It's in the 90s, I believe it is. And so this letter is also going on auction. So you see you, it's mind-boggling. We're talking about a person that's writing 120 letters a day or something. What you could probably find them is mind-blown. Okay. The point is like this. And we'll discuss more, some interesting questions, but obviously I do not plan on giving 50 episodes just to mention all the different Kishmakka questions that people ask. So I, just, they, I just randomly came across them to bring out a point. Now, so, the, but this is a question that was discussed while Rebbe Chaim Knievsky was alive. I used to always hear people talk about it during his Leviya afterwards and during his Spadim. I heard about it. I also used to complain about it, which is as follows. Rebbe Chaim Knievsky, I just said, he's writing a crazy amount of questions. He's answering a crazy amount of questions. He had a special room to do it. He, he did it. up He had a system, how he figured out out. Obviously, he couldn't know always. Kitsary, it, it takes time. This is not, even even Kineski, I'm not saying he has to open up his library. The point was that it was actually fascinating Rekhank He did it off the cuff, but still, it takes time to answer people. He's doing it by pen, he's not dictating it to people. So, the question that I asked and many people asked is, why is it so important to answer these questions, especially if you look at a lot of the questions, are not such significant questions you can ask any you can ask any learned person they can answer. It's not like they're asking the most complex questions. okay, that's what we understand we need Rohanevsky for so the question that was asked is Rohan Kievsky had so many more svarim to write. We know he began writing on Kachem. It could be that he even would have done on Tyrus instead, we don't the volume on Kachem is tiny. And so people complain. These questions, he spent hours a day on it, took away from what we clearly saw was Zeichah, uh, would have been Zeichah to have this monumental work on Kachim and, and perhaps even on Tyrus. So how did Rukhain Knievsky justify answering every, Tom, literally Tom, Dick, and Harry that asked him a question and he answered them. What's going on? So, so, so what's fascinating about Rukhain Knievsky is that one does not have to speculate. People have asked him every single question, including this. Many people had this conversation with him. They asked him, what's going on? How could you justify doing this? It's coming at the expense of others farm." So Lamashal, the famous person that we've discussed already numerous times, which we still, we hope to have him as, um, on the podcast, is Rabbi Uri Tiger, who was able to have a special relationship with Rechaim Kanievsky. He too asked Rechaim about it at different times. Um, in one of his Svarim, he, he has a whole footnote about it, discussing uh, r- what's going on. And Yisa, it seems Chaim Kineski gave him different times, different answers. One is that it's Al Tachiv, Chaim Kineski didn't have Talmudim. He wasn't a Rosh shiva. It seems he might have been a Rosh Hashiva for a, a Rebbe, for a day, and this type of Sawah wasn't working, so he, he, he took him away from it. So the point is, this was a form of Arbatasatayr for him, because we know Rishinantab Levanecha, elu Talmidim. So this was some type of muslik by answering letters he's been um, educating Klael Okay? So there is an aspect to that, Nakuda, but um, and this is something that we will have to discuss at a later point in time the whole concept of writing a Sefer, one of the Milas that Gedalim point out is that that's you're be, you're becoming a Rebbe for Klael for Dairus. I mean, say, you could give a Shear Especially this is in the days before it could be recorded. Obviously, the recording changes a lot in this conversation. But if let's say someone's giving a share on Shabbos, so it's very important giving the shear. But writing something down has a kium la So so Rhaim Karyevsky still held that there's a there's a there's some aspect of being Malama to tamidim. Another answer is he wanted it gave people um it gave the the sender a, a, a nukuda to be mashkian learning it helped them and and the second and the last answer which is a which is an answer which we'll deal with also is sort of a rachmanis he knew that the people who sent it to him they're waiting to hear from him and and th- they want to get the answer and it, and it helps them a bacher a young bacher all of a sudden has some question whatever whatever it is he maybe even try to ask a few different people all of a sudden he gets an answer from Chayne Kanievsky he's all basimcha so it's sort of like a a, a chesed the kuda that Rukhain Knievsky was doing by, um, answering the, by answering all these people. So my uh, intent is to try to deal, we're going to try to explain and enlighten some of these aspects. So first of all, there's a general question, and this question is like this. Do we find other G'daylim that they had to sacrifice their svarim for, for their job, so to speak, or for other... Maybe they want to write a certain thing and then they have to write something else. So there's definitely precedent for this. Just to mention two examples that come to mind. One is Roshleim Zalman Orbach. Roshleim Zalman Orbach was a Gain Oylem. He was sitting and learning in a um, Kailal learning Zraim for I think it was something like 19 years after he was married, plugging away, being prolific, publishing stuff. He already published a few volumes and then he gets the offer to become a Rosh Shiva called Tairu. So he had a major Suffolk because he had in his head already material for many more volumes in Zrám. But he needs time to write. You can have a lot of times you can have material, but you got to have time and the funding to write it. He knew that if he becomes a Rosh Hashiva, it's a whole different track. He's not going to have the ability to write these far. So he had a shaila and he asked, and he was told, no, you should give it. You should dafka become. Yes, Klaus Yisrael is going to um, lose out to far. On let's say he was working on Trumas at the time. The rest of Trumas and some other volumes in Zrám. But it's more important for you to do, become a, and less known in America, we, we don't focus this much on Rosh Hashanah because we know Rosh Hashanah Zalman is the Pisic, but basically, he was a magachir, first year based medrash, for years and years, he had thousands of Talmidim over the years, he was an excellent magachir. Excellent in de- depending on how different people define it. He gave excellent shear, very important sheer, and he was mechanic thousands and thousands of Tamidim. But Lamais and Knoch he still remained the paisic of, of in Eretz Yisrael, in Yushalayim, were in the world at large, a incredible, incredible paisic that was that already and he was in his low 20s. This is what they realized it was gonna be the future. Gadalum we were writing about him like in such glowing terms. So and it, it ended up basically that he got he became both. Just we did lose attack on some of these volumes. Another person was the Malbum. The Malbum was a great, great guy, and he started working on a Chiba in Archaim, which is one of the most mind-boggling works in Archaim, known as Arts' Chaim. It didn't get too far. Basically, as a battling of the Maskilim, he ended up spending the rest of his life to write a systematic Be'indica parish, defending Teirish Peh in his work, al Torah, which deals with a parish of Midrash Aloha, and then moving further on to writing a parish on Gans Nach, and you needed someone with the greatness of the Malbum, such a tremendous Talmud chacham. And some people said, it's a shame, we lost out, Klal Yisrael lost out the Arts of Sachaim and Shulchan But it's very possible, and this is what's been claimed, that we would not have had a malam Makam of the Malbum stature to be able to put out a Malbum type of work on Tanakh, so we needed it. Okay, so the point is sometimes you, uh, God, Adam Gadol is faced with a, a, a situation I want to do. So here, Rabchan Kanevsky shot up that this is what he's supposed to be doing, that he's supposed to be doing this for people. Okay, now, Lemaisa, and um, so just two issues to discuss that I would like to discuss over here. First is like this A Rav, what, what's the story with a Rav? Gets a question. Okay, um, uh, which is very common. Rabbanim today get emails. Uh, some rabbanim are um, tech savvy. More and more, they, um, what, the WhatsApp groups or the all different things they get questions nonstop. So the question is, what's their chiyuv as a rav? I'm not talking about for their salary. I'm talking more about their chiyuv alzarav. So interestingly enough, I quoted this in the past, that um, there's a, a fascinating small country that the Blitzki wrote over 50 years ago, of different things that a, a Rav should know. So one of the things is like this. He brings down, he tells two. Uh, it's a mechilta. It's an, also a msechtis, uh, msechtis, uh, um Smachais which basically there was a discussion, uh, these two, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Rabbi Shmuel, were take, being taken out to be killed, they were crying, it was a whole discussion, and, and basically the question was, they were trying to figure out what did they do wrong, and it sounded like one of them, one of so much so that this, according to this, this early Mechilta, and as I said, it's also in other places, it sounds like that a Rav has to be available all times to answer questions. I went to sleep, it doesn't help. A phone it has to be available. You can't have a blocked phone number. This is what Roshari Dublitsky writes. Now, obviously the question is, what's the Hagdara of this? Does a, does a Rav need to be available 24-7? So it's not simple. But the but he he says when you read gedolim books, this is what Rabbi Shmuel says. You sometimes find that certain gedolim had set times that they weren't available. So he um, he says that's not so simple. But lemaisa, we do find that there were gedolim that did have. Um, uh, just to mention two makiras about this. Number one is Rabbi Shmuel Zalman Orbach. Back to Rabbi Shem Zalman Orbach. So Rabbi Shmuel Zalman Orbach, as I said, he was very very accessible all the years, and but. At a certain point in time later on in life, he locked himself up for about two hours a day. What was he doing? He basically realized that Tashmir Shabbos Chalchassah is a classic. It's becoming used thousands of times a a week by all of Kal Yisrael. So he decided to go through the Sefer again to check over that everything that was said in his name was... His and Michlal to look it over. And he didn't And he didn't want to be interrupted during this period of time. So it was known you couldn't interrupt him during this period of time. On the other hand, I, I heard um, um, one time I was talking to a Rav, and the Rav was complaining to me he doesn't have time to prepare Shear. So I said, why don't you just take the phone off the hook, whatever, a few hours in your week or something, and prepare Shear then, and the rest of the time you'll be accessible. So he told me, this Rav said like this, he has a Kabbalah from Ramayisha. Ramayisha basically from when he woke up till when he went to sleep, Sat by the phone to be accessible. And everyone who knows, I, I wasn't Zaych to know such a thing, but basically from Ramayisha, so to speak, opened up shop till Zaych Kamat Zayf Yamav, he was always available to answer questions. He answered everything, the most complex questions on the spot. He was completely available. And this is similar based on this Makar, possibly taking this Mesech Tesmach HaYisara Now, interestingly enough, this is where Shari I'm saying, is bringing this up, but what about other G'daylum? Do they handle such a thing? So I come across that um, I mentioned last week we were talking about the Marsham, the greatness of the Marsham. So the Marsham, to put in perspective, is a Galicianer game. So the Adderes, after Rabbi Khan Inspector dies, he he um puts who's his myrah, his like his, the Gadol's Gadol is gonna be the marsham. So he writes a tshuva to him. Now just so you have to understand this is how he refers to the marsham in this chuva. And then he writes him a whole um question. This is in Man Elio. Now, in Marsham, in tshuva's Marsham, we find the tshuva that he asked the marsham, one of the tshuvas that he asked him was Involved this type of thing, which he brought up, this and he wanted to know, um, as a rav, is he machoivd And it seems that the marsham said it's a midas chasidus. It's not clear to how exact fine tune it when because the Pashtos is, it's a some type of taina when you learn samak smach al and as i said I'm sure is taking it to be like that but if you take this to be out of safe it's you're pretty much making it impossible to be a rav because a rav to be so accessible so every second of his day it's going to it's it's going it, to it's 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 basically impossible now interestingly enough just to um, mention relating to this what similar with daris is that daris so he wrote, he left behind millions of them. One of the things he left behind was incredible autobiography. In this autobiography, he's compla- he writes, basically the town was not paying him the salary. This was a con- constant problem for Rabbanim in general, and the Adaras suffered from this greatly. So he didn't know what to do. So he asked the advice, and basically the, covenant, uh, the Godel Hadar, he says, answered him, there's no problem. Do not answer them there are questions until your salary is paid, and he, and then he says, "So there is such a concept. If you if you're not getting paid, then then there there's at least that for the rough. So if the rav is getting paid, so now the question might be, oh, what's the salary? What's included in the salary? Okay, anyway, we're not going to. I don't know hilchus rabbanim, and we'll let the rabbanim um um give a share about that. Okay, now." The last Nakuda for today that I that I'd like to bring out is relating to understanding Ruhain Kanevsky. Where is this coming from? Akade Kach, this tremendous Nakuda of Chesed that we are seeing illustrated over here in in this action. We're talking about spending multiple hours daily, every day, for years and years. And this man had what to do with his time, as they say. So what's the pshat? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna bring out two total different types of mahachim, um, If this time. For sure, one, we'll see if we have time for the second. Number one is like this. So, a lot of times, um, when I prepare these shiurim, I have no idea what am I going to say, and as they say, it's Pashat siat Shmaya. Um, all of a sudden, I'm thinking things, walking randomly, a thing that I'm working on, something else could come to light, and all of a sudden put things together from different topics. I, I, Sometimes I, I'm, like, blown away how this even happens. And and if you speak to anyone that has to prepare a share, this happens to them also. So a few weeks ago, I was working on, I gave over a Chabura and Shul about G'daylam books. Um, a topic that I've collected material for close to, um, I've been reading books for close to 40 years, and I've had a massive amount of material about it. So I said, I'll start, in order for me to talk about a topic, I, um, if I talk about a topic, that helps me start to um, being able to write, to pr- get my ideas in order. So I was working on it. So I was telling over a friend of mine. Um, there's a, some of the kudos that I said, I was talking to a friend of mine, Meishi Hobner, and all of a sudden what I said then, all of a sudden I realized, that's going to help me over here. Because I had this kasha, Reb Chaim Kanievsky. Reb Chaim how could you spend so much time answering people? Answer, spend an hour a day. The amount of hours that he was spending on it. We lost, there's, not, there's no replacement, if you notice, just to point this out. There's no Mishnah Bruh type safer on Yerodeah, Chayshah Mishpat. And forget about when you get to Kachim and Tyrus. Who could have done Kachmin Tyrus? The person who did Zram, Rav Knievsky. There's going to be many different ones. Look, there's, I, I mentioned this, there's dozens of Mission rule likes for him, but with the with person like Rav behind it, I, I'm not too confident. So I'm bothered. I'm bothered. Now, ter- so I'm telling, this, talking to this friend of mine, Maishi Habner. I'm saying over what I said in the, in the Sheer back at Dalen books. And then it comes in the conversation. I remember a conversation I had with someone else about we were having a whole conversation about the Vilna Gaon and Rukhaim Velojner. And in the, in the course of that conversation, I was saying, again, something that bothered me. Again, it bothers me. It doesn't mean it bothers anyone. It doesn't mean it's a question. It doesn't mean anything. Rukhaim Velojner, we know, was a Goyen Oylem. He, fa- he founds Valojn. He's a Talmud of the Vilna Gaon. He's a Gaon in Halacha. He's a Gaon in Mekubal uh, and everything. He doesn't publish anything. He left behind his chuvis. Which ends up in three different fires getting destroyed. He left behind the work on Avis, which some of it survives, and he leaves behind this work called Nefshakhaim. Now, he's on his deathbed already, and he and you would think, What and this is very sad, we're talking about the, the Talmud Muvik of the Vilna Gaim. We barely have any of his tire left behind. We have something like 17 shuvas of his. We have in the Nachas Kavit on the Sigya of Halech and Mahalach of his, but we don't have his tire. So you would think on his deathbed, what's he going to say? He's talking to his son, Reb Yitzchok Valajner, the person who takes over to be the Rosh Hashiva, another great guy. He's going to give him, a, tell him, please publish some of my seven, publish my chuvas. It's going to change. It's going, we're talking about the Chaim Valajner. It's going to make a in the world of Allah if my tshuvas. And, he, and we know he had dozens and dozens of chuvas. He was consulted for complex shailas, aguna shailas, and, and much and all different complicated things. So it could have changed the world of halacha. Reb Chaim Valajner is chibor. What does he tell him? No, print my safer nefesh ha'im. um, in the what happens? He doesn't print it right away. He has a fire. He has a death, and then, and basically, he realizes that that he takes it. That what did he do wrong? He didn't listen to his father to publish a nefesh right away. So he goes ahead and publishes nefesh ha'im. So first, I had as a fascinating thing was that. Here you see that Rechaim Velazhner held that this is the most important of his works to be, to make sure to be published was an Okay. So obviously someone has to be in what's going on in Efsha that was so important for Rechaim Velazhner that he held this should be his lasting legacy. But more than that, in this introduction, he tells his son something else. And this is, this is written by Reza Valazhner, Rosh Hashivah Velazhner. Every person is not created for themselves. So, whatever you could do for the other person, that's what you were created to do. Now, if I said this sentence, and I told you some Balmussar said it, okay, but say that. here we have Talmud Muvik of the Vilna Gain is talking about, an the Kuda, what is the point of everything? Nivra. Unbelievable that this is the legacy that on his deathbed, and it seems he would say this Keseder, is telling Rabbits of this is what it's about. So now, and so I'm, I'm looking at it, so now it's starting to make a little more sense because that's what's going on more in the Nefesh HaChaim. The Nefesh HaChaim Chibur is understanding um, the importance of Taira and Tefillah which is a way, not only, it's not for the person himself, it's for the world, and, by learning, and davening, for the world, this is an important thing, but it's more than that, this is an unbelievable yesai, that who's saying this, Rebchaim not Velazhner, not a, if I would have found this in the Alta Labbat, you say, of course the Altus Lobotica is going to say such a thing. Now, okay, go for, I'm going further, so I come across a G'daylem book, um, I come across it many years ago, and then finally it comes out. This G'daylen book is what? So there was a Yid, Remarit Yafi. Remarit Gimple Yafi, to put in perspective who he is, he's a Talmud Muvak of Rabbi and he's the father-in-law of one of my heroes, Rabbi Yaisu Stern, who we spoke about a whole episode, of the Yalag episode, um, about him. And so Remarit Gimple Yafi is this giant Litvish Gadol, and maybe one day we'll talk all about him. But the point is, his son, his other son-in-law, not Reb Yosef Zechariah Stern, but his other son-in-law, Reuven Valak, writes a, um, a biography about his shver. He was also a rav who was a tremendous talmud chacham who dies young um, in his low fifties, I believe it was. And basically, he writes a, a by Tzvi Hirsch. Sorry, Tzvi Hirsch Akunin Valk, He was the rav of Pinsk, not a small little not a small little place. So he writes after Reuven nifter a book. Um, of a 40-50 page book about Ramart HaGimpel Yafi. Fascinating, fascinating material in this book. I saw it mentioned, the manuscript of it, years and years ago in a book on Litta called Rabbi Senu Shebegele. And they have a picture of the Ksaviyan. I'm always wondering when's it going to come out. All of a sudden, Rechon Yishalayim publishes the actual Ksaviyan in the front of a sefer called Keser Kuna of the Serval. So in there I come across a, pa- a page, which is incredible, but, and it's interesting it doesn't make the Tsush here. Which is like this: He is a Talmud of Reb Yitzchok His father was one of the Talmudim of Reb Chaim Valojner, and he says that his father would always say over, and he heard, and he himself would hear from Reb Valojner this concept. And I'm saying from, that the that Neveshchayim is it's written that the Neveshchayim Reb Yitzchok Valojner is saying that Kol Adam Never Rak This remark becomes a tremendous Rav. This is what and he has a whole thing how he writes it out. The Hafta Shemal Techa, she shamusavaliod, called pre and a whole thing how it's written out as Raval writes beautifully how he would hear Shver say this over from Rukhaim Velazhner is Shver this concept which you which you think about it's pelvic this is a litvisha the tyra the world of the, Lit, the, the the elite of the litvisha G'daylem, of the Talmudim of of the gra based this is what they're saying over to giving over then it goes even more fascinating he says like this. That Ishver was looking to point which gadol does he hold is doing this that he's mamish uh, re, he's giving over everything for the klal for the tzibur, so you think he's going to find some litvash gadol? So no, remarks Chagim Yafi says which gadol does he think had this nakuda the most in his in the tkufa? the chsam seifer, which which Aga, agav. This is just to show you um, a thing a conversation I've had a few times about the Yachas of Gedali Litta to the Ch'am Saifah, they have tremendous respect. This is a major Marmachan for this. He, so he says the Ch'am for now, besides for his my radical learning, which he's not getting into over here, but the point is that he did everything for for the generation. We know that he became Kilu the, the, um to make sure that what was happening, the us he was a loichem for all the different muhammas. Anyone knows the history of the Chassam This is one of the things that he gave over his time. Now, of course, we know that Chassam was giving shir yam velayla. He answered thousands of chuvus and he was he was busy. But he managed to make sure to make it his business Keeping in mind, that not from, not because of Velajner, he he's just pointing out that this is a Pashti to that what Adam Loila nivra rak because Now he says the I think he says this in the name of the Seifer, that the Seifer said what's the difference between Chanoich, Chanoich and Avram Avinu? He says it's a it's a, it's a famous Yisayi like this. Chanoich was a malach Hashem tzfakis, but he's only mentioned the tire once. You know why? Because he is locked up in himself and he's dealing with himself, he's taking care of himself. Is it important? Yes. Avinu is Avinu is how many is in the Torah is devoted to Avram Avinu? Endless. And we know, tliaytliim shal the avde the and everything. Aye, we know Chanech was so holy and everything, but the point is no. That Avram Avinu gave over Meiser Nefesh for Bnei Doirai. He, that, as we know, even for the Goyim, everything for Sdaim How much he did, and, and this is the Avramavinu is the model for Klal Yisrael. And similarly, this is Rukhaim Valojin Rosh Hashem The elite yeshiva of the Litvisha world is giving over this concept that that's what it's about. So, so my, uh, now Halachadik, what, uh, is this? Is it? Uh, what, obviously, this requires Halachad, This is a chive of learning Torah. So, if you look already in the in the Ruachayim from Rukhaim Valojin, where he has all arichos in the beginning of Avos about Chesed, fascinating material. He already tells too. Don't worry. It, 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 you have to know the sogisemayi katum when it's a mitzvah sheyev shelashes aydei um being if it's a it's something that you that um others cannot do. What means he does hilches tyra, which is obviously also uh, an important thing, in, in, especially for the liturgical world. They're not running to to just okay. now. Later on comes the work from the Chavetz Chaim, the Havetz Chesed, and the Havetz Chesed, the Chibur. there's a lot devoted to the Cheshivas of the Mitzvah, I say, the Raisa, and the importance of Chesed. All this, so now, so what my claim is, and this is what came clicked for me, and it could, what I'm saying is, this is could be aleph-based to someone, if they're thinking about it, could be I'm completely wrong, that Rechaim Kanievsky, this was his way of doing Chesed. Rachmaneski sat and learned all day. He's not going around to do chesed in, in the standard ways, but he felt how could he do chesed by answering all these people? He, um, he says, guy guys, coming to ask him a question, he'll give him an answer, and he knows." He said he was aware of who he was. That someone's going to get a letter from Rachmaneski, ah, Geschmack and it will inspire people. And you ask people. That, that that different people, many different people said, oh, when I was a bacher, I wrote a bunch of letters, to and they look back all very happy about it. I was in contact with Rechaim He took the time to answer me. What better way to give over this Rechaim Of what? We know Rechaim did this not only with his writing. He gave away a few hours a day to see people. Yes, how long did he speak to people? But it made people feel a million dollars. He did it. Some people say, "What are you? What are you doing? You're not having conversations with the people. They're just coming. You're shaking your head. bua all these different things." The answer is, he held. This is an akuda, and and I'm what I'm showing you is, this is an akuda who nonetheless, where's it coming again? There's probably a million others mekayyim that say it, but this is a Masayira, Chaim Valajner, as I said, who gave it all to Yitzchak He would say it all the time. Remarkable was saying it over, and this, as I said, even. This, this is an akuda with the chsam seif too. Okay, this is for today. This is just one of the aspects in the in the behind the scenes, so to speak. What I think one of the many lessons that we'll be able to take out from the tshuvas of Reb Chaim Kenevsky. and Bichlal, when you look at Reb Chaim Kenevsky, he's the most documented person, um, hero of of G'dayim that we have. Amount of pictures and videos that exist. I think we see he's giving so much time. He's always speaking with people. Yes, I agree. He's not having conversations with many of these people, but for some reason, it makes people feel good he was willing to give away his time for this. And therefore yeah, we did lose out the but he held this is the, this is the messer okay Obviously there's some other Mahalka which we will and other which we will discuss in the next uh, few episodes.
0: Thank you. yes, very important many Gedalam gave of their time in so many different ways, which you could say and think that it took away from their learning, their own growing, their own sharing Torah But Remchaim Kanievsky's case here, showing that perhaps it took away from actually writing Svarm, and how much uh, Svarm that we are likely not going to see. Okay, would you like to share a new book?
1: Yeah, so I'll just share one, uh, safer, very briefly. Basically, one of the Gedolim of Yerushalayim that had a tremendous influence on none other, Mishal Muzam and Orbach, was Yidrib David Baran. Dov Baran was a, was a very interesting type of Yid, um, one of the old-time giants in Yerushalayim that most people never heard of, but so, but he had a tremendous impact on Rosh Everything, everywhere he was going, he was always thinking of different aspects of the halacha, um, and he had a big influence on Rosh Hashem somehow also, but Rosh Hashem Zalm was very intimate. So I always, was, I always heard about him, and many years ago, um, a booklet came out of they collected a bunch of pieces that they were able to get about from David Baran. He didn't he didn't write too much. Okay, a little booklet comes out. Then, slowly, two people they decide to really go all in, and they come out and they make a fat book, uh, hundreds of pa- 600, 700 pages. They collect everything and they do excellent work. A Psalum of his on everything. And we, he was a he was a um It's fascinating, his interesting insights in the world of halacha, not the typical stuff, but also a lot of zugs that he would say, and, and as I said, he had a tremendous impact even on Gedolim in Yushalayim, um, all different things. Just to mention one thing, because it relates to something we began today's episode. when the Mishnah Brewer came to Yushalayim, um, he he was blown away with it. He couldn't stop learning it. He was very into it. And he said, the as He because he was so interested, as I said, he was very into halacha, He was so interested in the safer. So the 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 footnoters, as I said, Rushama Zalman was very into this and um so Shmuel Orbach, they bring down, the Shmuel Orbach told them that one of the Nakudas that Rabdov Baram was very into was the that the godless of the Brura that you see is specifically in the Bir Halacha, which goes with uh, in the Nakuda I was bringing down in the beginning, that the Mishnah is not just a Likutei Sefer, even though he calls himself a Likud Sefer. There's unbelievable things happening in the Mishnah Bura. Um, people have been r- writing articles recently, being Madaik and called Taqshiva Taga the Mishnah Bura, but even the Bir Haloha, the how he sets up the sugi and what he does, is also incredible. So, w- why am I mentioning this now? Is basically the Sefer came out uh, uh, 10, 15 years ago, and now they just redid it, sadly adding in a bunch more pages of material. So, stuck. a person like me is stuck. You have to buy the new edition, Ayachtavit, it's called because you have to have both. You never know. Maybe they took out stuff. You can't take the other one off your shelf, because maybe they took out stuff in the first edition. And the new edition has 80 new pages of more stuff from this Rebdobah Baram. What are you going to do? The life of an addict. Anyways, yeah, that's the story.
0: It's interesting that you mention him. So for those who, who hung out in the Meish Arim Gula area for their learning, probably you know Rehov Baharan, right? That street that goes down um, from like Rehov Strauss area down into Meish Arim. Um, but also, the Shmuel Orbach book, which is an incredible book in English, written by um, Rabbi Eitan Kobri. At the beginning of the book, he has some, um, talks a little bit about Rabbi Dovah Baharan. It seems like the Orbachs are very connected to him. He was like from the founders or original um, Toshavim in Shari Chesed. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, as a matter of fact, I think the first time I, quote, I saw something about Arab Dovah Baharan was reading a schmooze of Rabbi Shmuel Orbach. As a bacher, he said over something. I think I think that's how I first heard of Rav Baran, and then as once you start with Rav Shmuel and then back to Rav Shmuel That's how it is. So I, I didn't know that he talks about it in the book. Okay, very interesting.
0: Yeah, no, I don't know if he mentions much about him, but that's where I came
1: across. You came across, yeah.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Looking forward yeah. to the next one. Once again, yeah, anybody probably. wants to be in touch with myself, shweidemetoyu at OU. org, or Rabbi Brot at Eliezer Brutt, at gmail.com, questions, comments, suggestions, criticisms, all welcome with a smile.